Welcome to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast, a podcast where a couple of fools grab some cold ones and talk by the fire. So crack a cold one, come sit by the fire, and get a few laughs as we discuss everything from the meaning of life, space travel, and weird moments in history. How many times have you been driving across the road and see a deer crossing sign and then immediately forget about it? All the time. Because it doesn't really wake people up. This whole episode is going to be about deer vehicle collisions, deer crossing, deer getting stuck on the roads. Not just deer, all animals. We can talk about turkeys, moose, and for our Australian friends, kangaroos. But before we get into that, Mike, how are you doing? What are you drinking? Well, anytime you can get moose and kangaroos in the same conversation, I'm feeling very happy about this one. I'm drinking some bullet rye and it is dry. What about you, my friend? How are you and what are you drinking? Oh, I got some Coors Light here. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to talk about the science of deer crossing. So first, I was looking up, I looked at some scientific articles about how to predict deer crossing locations and where to put up the signs and stuff like that. And it turns out deer, the science of deer crossing the road is surprisingly controversial when you get into it. A lot of the papers read like X paper is completely out of their not what they say that in the scientific term. So it'd be like their data is falsified. The paper, yeah, the paper in nineteen you know ninety eight by Roberts is incomprehensible and in, hasn't been able to be replicated by anybody. But uh, really, it seems like all they're doing is they have some kind of objective because all they're doing is changing the sample size. So they'll look at a lot of studies will look at small portions of a road. So like they look at where a deer crossed or where a deer collision was or multiple deer collisions. And then they'll look at uh, what surrounds it. And so, you know, if you're in the woods and their study says, you know, woods, then it's basically doesn't help you. Right. Like you know that's going to happen. But if it gets smaller and they say the deer crossing was in the woods near like uh, where minerals run off, where so where, you know, deer, all animals like salt. So when the salt comes off the roads and collects somewhere, they'll lick that up. So they're more likely to find deer by that. And so if you make it smaller, then that study says deer are more likely to found be found here. If you make that, you know, do 300 feet of road, and there's a deer that gets hit on the other side, and then a deer that gets hit by the salt lick. It's like, well, deer were just as likely to get hit over here than over here. It's like, yeah, at 300 feet. But over time, it seems like it evens out. So really, I got some key takeaways. But uh, man, the reading the scientific articles about deer collisions was it's just uh, is more aggressive than I thought it would be. <laughs> Passive aggressive scientists just writing articles. Exactly. Very passive aggressive. Um, so one of the things I wanted to find out is, I guess, where where do the accidents occur? You know, what's the best way to deal with it? And it, what's uh, solutions? And it's kind of a letdown, you know, nothing crazy. You know, just, I mean, Mike, you're usually the one who finds the way crazy solutions. But, but so first I want to talk about where deer cross the road. And this doesn't surprise anyone, but wooded areas and this is especially important if you look talk about suburbs 
So when you go to like a rural part of the, the country where it's all woods and fields, yeah, deer are going to be pretty much everywhere. You know, when you narrow it down, uh, areas that you need to be especially watchful at are edges of timber where it comes onto like a farmer's field. Deer will sit in the timber and move out in the field, just kind of like other large game. And the time of day is a factor too, like 80% of, depending on where you look, anywhere from 60 to 80% of deer collisions take place uh, the hour before, around sunrise and the hour around dusk. And then the, the most, then the other like 10% take place, you know, the rest of the night. Very, like only 1% of collisions actually take place during the day because you can see during the day. So it's not as big of a problem. But especially in the suburbs, so if you have like buildings and then you have woods on two sides, you know, even if it's just a narrow strip of woods, that's where deer like to cross because they don't like to walk around Target. They'd rather walk in the woods. Though there are some interesting deer that like to go into stores for some reason. <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably because of the the rut. So uh, sometime in the fall for most large game, and it depends kind of where you're at, but like November is shock. A little November-ish for deer is kind of a good yeah, October, November. was Yeah, just, uh, but that's when they get, they're trying to reproduce. So they're trying to get out there and they get so fucked up from all the hormones. Like they just don't know where they're at. And so a higher number of collisions occur during their mating season. Just like in Australia, a higher number of collisions during occur when kangaroos are trying to get it on. <laughs> Sorry, some 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 uh jumping uh jump uh jump that ass with jokes came into my mind. Not surprised. Um pretty much like like I said, none of this is new information. Another place that uh you're more likely to collide with a deer is roads that you can't see far. So they the scientific term is co- roads with no with sinuosity. I can't swervy remember. Swervy roads. Anyway, yeah, basically swervy roads. Uh because you can't see because of limited visibility. It's the same reason we hit more deer at night than we do during the day. I got a dumb question for you, Nick. Yep, go ahead. Do we, here in America, do we mainly hit female does or do we hit bucks? Like what- I'm going to say, I didn't come across this, but I'm going to say we most likely hit more does because there are more does than bucks. So it's a numbers game, mm. I would imagine. Probably hit more fawns than anything. Baby deer. <laughs> Big old Bambi. Uh, but so, yeah. So the, it was kind of a letdown of reading all that and then, you know, r- spending like three hours reading scientific papers to come away with you're more likely to hit deer if they're in the woods, if you're driving in the woods, if it's a curvy road, and if you can't see. It's like, oh. No well, shit, that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how long did it, how much money did it take for us to figure that out? <laughs> So who's so who's funding all these studies? Usually transportation departments trying to figure out how to keep deer off the roadways. And uh, they've tried a lot of things. Um, one of the things I want to talk about infrastructure and then for roadways. And then I want to talk about vehicle stuff first. So we're not jumping around too much. Um, oh, before I get into that, I did want to say this seems like a low number to me, but seems that there's around 200 deer-related deaths per year, deer vehicle collisions. I feel like that would be higher. I feel like that's much higher than 
Uh, well, you got to imagine some people who are driving out in the country, in the woods, have trucks with bumpers. So sometimes you hit it and you just speed up and no damage to your vehicle. So it's like, yeah, throw in the back and cut it up and eat it. Yep. And uh, that also counted for $1.1 billion in property damage. Wait, when that number, $1.1 billion in property damage from deer? Yeah. How? Like cars, I understand because if a deer and a well, car, well, I mean, deer would be property. So, de- like, so damage to your cars. Okay, so that counts as property. I'm thinking for for some reason houses. I'm like, I don't. Is there a catapult launching deer? They're just running into deer. <laughs> oh, you? There is. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. The other, the uh, another number I came across is that. Uh, State Farm processes 2.1 million animal collision insurance claims uh, a year, which is a lot. (laughs) Oh, my. And the the top five states, uh, number one, for just for claims, not for collision, like deaths or just people who filed claims. One, Pennsylvania. Two, Michigan. Three, Texas. Four California and five North Carolina. All those kind of make sense to me. I'm su- I'm just surprised Colorado's not in that mix. Yeah. Well, so another thing that uh, deer collisions are going up, and there's also kind of a disagreement on why. Uh, but a theory that I think is pretty reasonable is that uh, wild game numbers have been going up, and they've been wild game numbers have been declining for a long time. But I think now that their populations are going up, that uh, you're seeing more deer hit. But you're also seeing a lot more people move out into, like we talked on the Wildland Fire episode, the kind of not suburbs, but not rural. Like this, they call it the Wildland Urban Interface. So people are building roads. They want to live in the country. And more and more people are moving out in the country, but not, to, not too far from a town. And it's just... Uh, a lot of people who aren't used to living out in the country, and I think that's probably aggravating it as well. But it's been steadily on the rise for the past couple of years. Yeah, I can see that happening. People not accustomed to driving, people simply being out of that area more. And I just like throwing the mix. People are probably, at least in my opinion, getting worse and worse at driving. So I wouldn't be surprised if that helped increasing. So that's, I don't know if people are getting worse and worse at driving, Mike, but what you're seeing is more and more Californians are moving to Texas and Californians are worse at driving. That would explain a lot. That I'm now picturing California hitting a zebra that's crossing the road. Yeah, there's probably Californians out there swerving so hard they're hitting kangaroos. So what can we do about deer on the roads? Well, one, we can kill all the deer. It's not my favorite option. I like the extremism of it, though. <laughs> but we'll start there. Uh, No. A lot of times in those areas, you will see more degradation hunts put on by the state to try and reduce the population, especially reduce it around roads. If there's one thing that hunters are good at, it's scaring deer from away from roadways because the further you are from a roadway, there's the more likely no hunter is going to be able to get to you. Um, But fences is by far the most effective. The problem with fences, you know, we ran into this... uh, big issue in the u.s that you probably heard something about but it costs a lot of money to build barriers for long distances (laughs) 
Yeah, that's a lot of material there. Yeah. And uh, the other part, too, is the fences need to have one-way... They need to be have one-way gates every now and then because a deer will eventually get across that fence. And what happens when a deer gets across the fence that it can't get back on the other side is it's just going to run up and down that road for miles. <laughs> so instead of seeing deer on the road and them running off the road, they're just going to run at you or away from you. Now, the problem with the one-way fences is deer can usually figure out how to make those one-way gates two-way gates because they are smarter than us. <laughs> um, and the other problem with fences is, I mean, every year, like in Oregon, we have a lot of uh, loose soils, heavy rains. So we have land, so mass soil movements, soil, like landslides moving everywhere, trees falling down. We can't even keep the uh, guards on either side of the road upright, much less, you know, miles and miles of chain link fence. So that's... Uh, that is the most expensive solution, but it is the most costly. And they've tried other things. Um, there was a University of Georgia. They have these captive deer, and they just basically just did all these weird things to try and keep them off the road. And uh, some stuff would work with the captive deer, but as soon as they tried it in nature, like the deer just didn't care. <laughs> yeah, nature is a... Uh... The funny mistress. Yeah, one of those was lights. They tried to use like bright, flashy lights, reflective lights to keep the deer off the road. Um, and then uh, they tried sirens, like a high-pitched siren that only deer can hear. Didn't really work. And so, yeah, that's... I haven't seen anything too effective besides fences. And fences are, they say, at depending on what study you read, anywhere from 30% to 70% effective. But... 73% was the highest I saw, so it's not like it's a problem solver. Yeah, that's for sure. So, uh, Mike, do you have any more kind of roadway ideas, or do you want to get into what you can do to vehicles or what you can't do to vehicles? I have two for roadways, one for vehicle. Yeah, let's go to roadways. For roadways, the kind of solutions I'm thinking of is, well, they're good across like sometimes either migrations or pathways, why don't we find a large stretch and make it easier pass for them to cross so they're more likely to cross in a large straight section so people can see farther? Maybe put some lights there to make it easier to see during dusk and dawn so they're not doing the curves and bends and such like that. Yeah, so you're talking about like a wildlife passage? Yeah, like a, like a so, sub-trail, a game path. Yeah, on, on like a flat stretch, you have the road go up and over or... You build a bridge for no. the wildlife to go over? I'm just simply help clear the path on either side of the road, make it cost cheap efficiently so the deer are more likely to use it. A little bit more open clearing, a little bit easier for them, for drivers to see and the deer to see cars. So simply simply you have thick bush and then you have thinned out so the deer are more likely to go through the thinned out part. Okay, I see what you're saying. Um, oh, this reminded me of one thing that I didn't bring up. So we've had a lot of bad ideas when it comes to not that's a bad idea just not well thought out ideas when it comes to roadways uh the state of montana probably i know did this but i know a lot of other states probably did this as well they would put down fresh grass to control erosion on the side of all their roads well what does fresh grass mean for deer food food so they were basically drawing all the deer out to the roadways to get hammered <laughs> I, this is a dumb question. How 
how are Australians hitting deer? Oh, they're hitting kangaroos. I mean, not, sorry. How are Australians hitting kangaroos? Because isn't a lot of Australia flat land? Like, I know all the... Yeah, uh, they have most, well, I a think lot they jump out in, at night, it seems like. Mm, gotcha. Those, uh, what, is it, what are they called? Falling bears, right? The mythical koalas falling on people's heads. Oh, yeah. I mean, most everything happens at night, but... <laughs> most um, things in Australia want to kill you. <laughs> that is true. And my other idea for roadways, uh, it'd be more focused towards the driver rather than the deer, but get some local artists, because like you said, Nick, those signs don't really mean anything. You pass them and you never give them a second glance. Maybe get some local artists and put them in hot spots so people go, oh, there's a deer statue. Oh, there's a giant, you know, uh, welded deer. Oh, there's a wooden carved deer like that. Make it big, obvious, you know, paint and stuff like that. So people see the art way and people are a little bit more noticeable in thinking of it. Yeah, that's uh, something I was thinking of too of you got to do something to make those spots pop out more. Because what they said, you know, with those, uh, what's it called? What they said with, um, you know, those, the signs, the deer crossing signs, elk, cow crossing, whatever, people follow them for like, once they see them the first couple times, like if it's a new sign, but then at once they have passed it a few times, it just becomes part of the environment that gets tuned out automatically. Something that I thought would be, yeah, like the artist thing is a good one, you know, because it's all different. So uh, something I thought is you, like just a, wherever there is a deer collision, you put like a, a sign of like deer collision here, you know, this date or whatever. And then, you know, probably... If, 100 feet down the road there's probably going to be another sign like deer collision here and i feel like that might be a little bit more deterrent of saying like deer been like deer crossing of like hey people got fucked up here like crosses like, from mm-hmm. construction sites but for deer yeah no just like yeah exactly like stays there like forever because if that's basically like putting the data in their face of like hey deer deer hit someone here deer hit someone here like okay like it's happened before here I know the odds of it happening, like, people are like, oh, the odds of it happening twice here is not that good. Well, it sounds, I mean, it kind of is, like, depending where you're at. Well, the odds of winning a lot are so slim, but yet people still try. Yeah, well, it's not the same, I guess. But, yeah, so that's kind of what I thought, too, of you got to do something to let people know. They tried. They found that there's a higher percentage, you know, with the flashy signs. People are more likely to pay attention to it that says, like, deer crossing here and has like the yellow lights on either side but yeah that's uh that's a problem that needs to be addressed but the local artist thing might be probably the better one because since i had a good idea can i tell you my bad idea uh is it worse than kill all the deer a little bit less okay go it'd be a car modification which i'm trying to set you up for the card modification transfer but Fuck it, let's go full down. Put get spikes in front of cars, little modifications put in front of your car. So yeah, you're gonna hit the deer, but it's not gonna do anything to your car. Just impale them like like a like a cow catcher. Yeah, so that uh, leads me right into what I was gonna talk about before. So yeah, I want to talk about steel bumpers because I was looking at getting a steel bumper for my pickup, and I was like, let's see what you know the scientific community has to say about deer, you know, survivability and and stuff um pretty much nothing uh (laughs) they don't have any really good data what you're telling me scientists don't have test 
dummies that are deer that they hit their cars with? So companies in Australia do. Ooh. So Australia, Australia has really good laws when it comes to like uh, vehicle stuff. So all of their vehicles have to, you know, be weighed. Like if they're doing certain things, whereas in the U.S. you can put tons and tons of shit on your pickup and not worry about the gross vehicle weight rating. And then they also have like all their bumpers and anything needs to be tested to make sure that it will work in the same way that like a bumper is supposed to work with your front end of the car of how it's supposed to buckle. And any recovery point needs to be rated in Australia, whereas not in the U.S. Uh, it's just a little bit safer, you know, more government intervention, yes, but just... Uh, Can hit a moose and have, keep going. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so they do test their, all these bumpers on uh, like kangaroo models, not, they don't hit actual kangaroos, but they basically just like drive it into this fake kangaroo. It's basically just like a blown up kangaroo, like looks like a <laughs> sumo suit filled with sandbags, but in the shape of a kangaroo, like that's kind of what you're looking at and they just run into it and see what it does and then see if it crumples it and stuff like that. Um, Cause what I wanted to see is what like, and the problem with, I think why there is none is steel bumpers and very specific depending on who makes it, how it's reinforced. There could be a ton of engineering who that goes into it or none. Uh, in the U S there's no regulations on bumpers. So it's just trust whatever brand you buy from, but anything built in Australia has to be actually be tested for that vehicle and uh, it needs to work in the crumple crumple spot and do what it needs to do. But a lot of the times these these bumpers, basically it seems like uh, the bumper will take it and may crumple a little bit. The bumper won't crumple, but you know where the car is, it will crumple, maybe move it back a little bit. But your car is going to be fine. And it's really, that's the main difference between, you know, if you didn't have an aftermarket bumper, steel bumper on there that some of these newer cars that are designed to crumple, a lot of them will be totaled. I mean, my buddy, he got hit by a deer. He was out hunting all day, and he was driving home, and a deer ran into the his passenger side rear door. So he didn't run into it. It hit him, and uh, and it dented the frame, the not the frame, but the body so much that insurance just totaled the car. Wow. So that's a bumper's not going to help you there. <laughs> but if it gets hit in the front, basically, it, from what I read online on the overlanding Reddit, subreddit, that uh, pretty much everyone who's hit a deer or kangaroo has basically said, yeah, you know, sometimes you have to readjust the bumper. Sometimes you have to get a new bumper, but the vehicle's been fine. They haven't had to buy a new vehicle. So the consensus is that I that I can see, this isn't scientific data, just stuff from the internet so you know it's true is that uh <laughs> steel bumper will allow you to walk away and you can watch videos there's a good video of this guy in texas he's got a, a pickup with a, a steel bumper and he just like drives right over this deer like it's nothing oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well maybe everyone should just drive monster trucks though you can't hit a deer they just go in between the cars yeah well you sh that's the same like the um, those giant bumpers for semi trucks, those things will just obliterate. <laughs> yep. But uh, talking about stuff that works, and then okay, there's an important distinction on steel bumpers. Uh, so there's in the U.S. we kind of have three kinds of bumpers that we call it, and they're called different things in Australia. But so you got brush guards, and then you got uh, 
pull um, bull bar or push bar and then you have what people most people just call a steel bumper so a steel bumper normally you take off your factory bumper and your steel bumper it has to bolt onto the frame a bull bar you can most of the times leave your factory bumper on and it comes out from under the frame up and around. Those are not as effective as a full steel bumper, but still more protective. Well, it depends. I mean, bull bars are, depends on what animal you're hitting and at what speed. Sometimes they can make it worse. Sometimes they can make it better, but people are 50-50 on that. And then the brush guard, which just bolts to your your bumper normally, doesn't actually bolt to the frame. People call that a damage multiplier because <laughs> it usually is going to make your accident worse. So when you're, if you're looking for an aftermarket bumper for deer, make sure that it is something that bolts onto your frame. And to, to be safe, you want to remove your factory bumper and put that on. The bumpers or bull bars or brush guards that go up and over your factory bumper don't seem to be as effective, but I'm just some guy from the internet. So what do I know? I know if you hit a moose, it's probably not going to matter what you got on for a bumper. No, it's not because it's probably, you're going to drive under the moose. (laughs) Uh, Or it's going to go up and through the window. Either way, it's not going to end well. Um, So speaking of things you put on the front of your car, Mike, I'm sure you've heard of deer whistles. No, I don't know what that is. Okay, well, it's something you can get at like an auto parts store. It's just a little, it looks like a whistle. You put it on the front of your car, and it makes a really high-pitched noise that deer don't like. The problem is it does make a high-pitched noise that deer don't like, but you're traveling at such a fast speed that the noise doesn't have time to get to the deer and for them to react before they're already in your way. And because of that, this is the same reason they tested these on those deer in uh, Georgia and they don't like the noise, but after a while, when they just played it like on speakers to get the deer off the roads, they didn't care for it. And then every time they tried it on a car hurtling towards a deer, they were they never reacted to it. Um, separate tests. Not uh, It's not like they let them get bored of it and then tested it. They had different deers. And so the problem with that is a, a lot of people get a false sense of security from it. So a lot of people like, oh, I don't need to worry about deers. I have a deer whistle. Right. But it, deer whistles don't really, don't actually help because the deer can't hear it that fast. So that was something that I'd always heard 50-50 on. You know, you hear some people be like, oh, I, I got a deer whistle saved my life or something. something. And then I was like, oh, deer whistle, that's just some made up shit. Everything I've read, it pretty, pretty much confirms that the deer whistle does not work, but... Well, that's good to know. Uh, some people put on their cars and say, I know it most likely isn't going to do anything, but it can't hurt. And you're right. It can't hurt unless it makes you think that you don't need to worry about deer. False sense of security. It, yeah. But you had another idea for vehicles, Mike. Or did, where was it the bumper? Mine was the bumper spikes. But now thinking about it, I wonder if you could add strips into the road, like deer, near deer hided areas that when you run over the strips they would make like a noise or a light or something like that to like scare the deer like this is a bad analogy but it's the only one to come off the top of my head obviously you'd find a different solution is when you run over these strips off to the side it would press a button and it would set off like a gunshot to scare all the deer away so to speak but of course driving down the midnight road and hearing pop 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 
as much people head towards uh home after work might not be the best idea yeah um so they you know how uh you like cattle guards where they have that space in between deer can get deer don't like those guards either so but the problem with deer so for cows you only have to make cattle guards as wide as or as long as they can't jump turns out deer are a lot better at jumping than cows <laughs> so some of those gates people have something like that where deer just can't walk over it and that would be a little bit easier than the fences but it's uh there's still some maintenance and stuff it just didn't seem to be you need more land to make that an effective solution but uh sorry that just reminded me that of that yeah i think the problem with that is deer just get accustomed to things. So, well, you could add like a like the beginning of deer season. You know, if you're out in the woods, like I work in the woods, so if I'm out in the woods working, and I'm looking at some does, and I hear gunshots in the distance, you'll see those does run. But by the end of rifle season, those does don't even react to the rifle shots. Well, I'm thinking you could just add a speaker, and you can like rotate some some sound, so it's not the same sound over and over again, like. It's a wolf sound. It's a coyote sound, or maybe it's releasing coyote piss, or or it's a bear roar, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, um, it's a dumb idea. I, yeah. My favorite idea so far by mine is the artist. The one I think, I think you're right, Nick. The most effective one would be a fence, but it's also going to be the hardest one to do, cost of wise. I mean, we I have a hard time just keeping deer out of the garden. Now, granted, there's stuff to eat over here, but there could be stuff to eat on the other side of the road. Yeah, I think the artist is probably the most reasonable one. This is a dumb question. Cost-wise. Uh, this is a dumb podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Will deer collisions increase with more electric vehicles because the deer can't hear the electric vehicles? That is a good question. Yeah, we did talk. We did miss one solution uh, before deer get their licenses. We make them attend a class on how to cross the road. Mm, mm. Why don't we just capture every single deer and paint all their antlers? With <laughs> paint them bright? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then every season when they drop their antlers, you don't do it again. Yep. That's probably the easiest one if I had to. Probably the most cost effective, right? <laughs> it's like to get a hunting tag, you have to paint, you know, to kill one deer, you have to paint the antlers of two deer. It would make it a lot easier hunting looking for, for deer that are at painted antlers. Yeah. Or... We uh, genetically engineered deer to be glow-in-the-dark. I mean, that's actually really easy to do. That sounds like a really good way to exponentially increase the cougar population. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Them, them mountain lions, uh, they would definitely enjoy that one. What's this glowing thing? <gasps> Ooh. Well, that's about all I have on deer. And I guess since we're talking about deer safety, you probably know this listener but if you do if you are about to hit a deer and you have enough time to listen to this whole podcast to make it this far what you're supposed to do is not swerve don't break just let your foot off the gas because if you break what you do is you push the front end of your car down which then lifts the front end of your vehicle uh, which then lifts the deer basically up into the windshield area instead of the grill area of the vehicle which is not what you want. And then, uh, yeah, don't steer, don't swerve because you're going to either hit another vehicle or trees or something else. You kind of just got to take it. And, uh, yeah. And the other, I guess the other piece of advice is if you see one deer on the side of the road, there's probably another deer on the other side of the road. 
And since I said we're going to talk about kangaroos, so Mike, what percentage of of animal accidents in Australia do you think kangaroos make up? Oh, 70%, something like that, right? Yeah, 82% of all Australian animal collisions are kangaroos. The kangaroos are like the moose, deer, reindeer, and elk all combined in Australia for car accidents. Yeah, and they they have a higher, uh, you're 32% more likely to hit a kangaroo or a roo, as they say, uh, in the months of March to May. I've never seen like an actual like press release use the word roo, but I don't go through that many Australian press releases. Well, it's interesting that it's in their fall too. I mean, their beginning of cold season, that also the increases of... Uh... Accents. I wonder if that's Rue's uh, breeding season. That's kind of what I was thinking because our big game breeding season starts, you know, before the cold season. So there probably does too, I imagine. So what do you so what are you supposed to do to avoid hitting a kangaroo? Is it the same as the deer, or are you just out of luck? Um. So they say in this Australian press release, oh, holy shit, Australian press release. If you come across a kangaroo. Break to avoid a collision, don't swerve, which is not the answer the U.S. gave. If you're in an accident, prioritize safety. Call triple zero if needed, then contact your insurance agent. If you hit a kangaroo, contact a wildlife rescue organization or the local PD. If you don't already have comprehensive car insurance, look into this before you travel. (laughs) So, uh, pretty much the same thing. And try to avoid traveling at dusk and dawn. Good to know. So... They're uh, just the deer from down under, apparently. Well, that's about all I had, unless you had anything else, Mike. Nope. I just, this is I, one of those things that I think are, it's such a simple problem that I don't think will ever go away, to be honest with you. Yeah. It, like I said, it's it's increasing, so it's the it's here to stay, and we don't really have any good solutions. So if you have a good solution, let us know. But if you have a terrible solution, that is what I'm more interested in. <laughs> So I think we came up with some pretty bad solutions. Well, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.